0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com
1: B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B-Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca.
2: I would encourage people to be real, to keep it real, as we've been saying, be authentic um, and don't shy away from difficult conversations. Sometimes I think, you know, it's probably mostly my personality, but I would rather have a hard conversation with somebody and own my mistakes and have an awkward, maybe yucky feeling conversation for a little bit, than regret later on that I didn't get it off my chest and I didn't make that person feel seen or loved or appreciated because I was... Too cowardly not to have the conversation.
0: thoughtful dialogue this show is about amplifying voices creating understanding and providing information to help everyone continually improve i want to personally thank you for taking the time now let's get to getting better emily barnes is a mom of two little girls elliot and scotty and married to her best friend who is an electrical engineer with Caterpillar. They recently moved from central Illinois where Emily served as an assistant principal in a to K-5 building and student service services coordinator in a district of 4,500 students to Sumner County, Tennessee where she currently serves as an instructional coach. Emily will once again be transitioning into the role of assistant principal for a brand new middle school on a new K-12 campus called Liberty Creek in the fall of 2022. Emily is one of the few people who can literally say that she's living her dream and is thankful and blessed every day to get to do what she does and love the people she loves. I love the last bit of that little bio entry, and I'm I'm sure that's going to play into our conversation about schools and teachers and students and things like that. So I'm really excited to have Emily on the podcast. Welcome, Emily.
2: Thank you, Chris. I'm so excited to be here and I'm a little, I think, shocked still that I'm here because I feel I'm very young in my career and at times I don't feel like I have much to offer in terms of words of wisdom and advice. But nonetheless, thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, no problem. You you have perspective. So that's the whole idea of this thing is to give people voice that might not normally get voice because everybody has perspective. And if we're going to value people's voice, we at least got to get it out there, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I love it.
0: So we don't make you jump any hurdles or anything to come on. So you're you're valued no matter what. The first question I wanted to ask you is, you know, so obviously the move geographically, family is really important to you and everything. But you were an AP at a K to five and then a student service coordinator for a district of 4,500 students. And you moved to instructional coach. And now you're going back to AP. So fill in the blanks a little bit for me. What are you thinking about that move? Do you have any big goals you want to accomplish that... Made you want to make that move again or?
2: Yeah, you know, the opportunities that I've had the privilege of um, serving in throughout my career, they have just honestly sort of fallen in my lap. I'm extremely blessed. I started out in early elementary education. I taught first grade and then I moved in second grade. And then, um, you know, like they say, it's, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I knew somebody that um, was the director of student services in my last district. And um, she knew that I had a little bit of a, a special education background and um, also had my administration degree. And so she had reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking for somebody to kind of fill this split role. I think you might be really good um, a good fit for that. And at the time, I was not really interested in pursuing administration. I had just had my first daughter, Elliot. And I thought, no, I'm, you know, I'm kind of living the good life with a little baby teaching second grade. <laughs> you know, I was starting to hit my stride with that. But I thought, why not? If anything, It'll give me some interview experience. It's been a while since I've interviewed. So I'll update my resume. And I actually didn't even finish that application. Um, I started it, but I did not know that on the other side, you could see when someone starts the application, even if they don't finish it. So um, they called me and said, hey, you started your application, but you didn't finish it. And I said, well, no, because I'm, I'm really on the fence. And they said, well, why don't you just come in and talk to us? We're going to have interviews tomorrow. And I said, well, okay. And then kind of the rest is history. I interviewed, was offered the job, And, you know, it was only about five minutes down the road from my house. So it wasn't like I was going to have to drive really far. And it was one of the biggest blessings. It taught me a ton. But prior to having my daughter, Elliot, my family and I had decided we we wanted to make the move um, to Tennessee. And just things kind of kept us there for a few more years. But when COVID happened and the world kind of shut down for everybody, it gave us some clarity and some perspective. And we just decided we're either going to do it or we're never going to do it. So we just decided to go for it. And I applied uh, for actually the role is called lead educator here in Sumner County. And um, I was offered that position. And it was just it was a great beginning step. And, you know, like I said, things are just falling into my lap. Um, Our campus, Liberty Creek, is set to open fall 2022. Um, I had no idea that was a thing when I moved down here. I didn't know they were going to be opening up a new campus. And someone encouraged me to apply and thought, You might be a good fit. And so I did, not thinking anything of it. And then here I am. So um, we are really excited to get that campus up and running, but I'm still loving being an instructional coach here as well and learning a lot from that.
0: That's cool. You know, there's three things that really stand out to me when I listen to you talk about that. The first one, there's two shout outs in this. Well, actually three. The first one is you said, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. I don't know if you know of Matthew X. Joseph, but he wrote a book called Power of Connections. That is a, an excellent book, and um, it's all about how connections are so important, and especially now that we have the ability to reach out and connect through video and things like that, where you had that connection that knew that you were, you know, you had some skill in the special education arena and encouraged you to do that. The other thing is, the second one is to the that employer, right? And how often do we as leaders think that somebody maybe fills something out and we don't follow up with it? Like we know somebody started to do something, but maybe that's like a lead that we don't follow. When it could be, clearly, you, you're you doing a great job over there. It could be the next best person that we bring on board or bring on our team. So, like, kudos to that employer for reaching out and saying, hey, notice this is kind of half finished. Why don't you just come in and talk? Instead of even going, you know, I, I notice it's half finished. Make sure you get it finished. All right. There's, there's such a difference there. I don't know if that if that attitude carries over with you, with teachers that you work with or anything like that, but just the ability of offering somebody the chance to come in and go that little extra mile.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Chrissy, when you said power of connections, immediately my brain dings to relationships. And, you know, so many people that come on your podcast talk about that. And that has really been, I wouldn't even call myself successful, but if we were to call it that, relationships have led to all of that success. It's just the relationships that I have with people. And that's what makes our job so fun. You know, we as educators have the most difficult job in the world, especially right now in the past couple of years. And the relationships are the only reason why I think people have hung in there if they're still hanging in there. And it's relationships with each other and relationships with kids. So absolutely, that power of connection is is critical right now more than ever.
0: Yeah. And I, I was just reading an article about that, how teachers, um, the one thing that's really keeping them going, and this I'm sure goes over to administrators as well and leaders at all levels, is they're leaning on their colleagues. They're more than ever before. So if there's one thing that this pandemic has done, it's made us realize the value of those relationships and the value of those that are close to us and things like that. So the third part is, uh, and it's a saying from my current assistant superintendent, George Farrow, and this is a message to all leaders because it sounds like this is what you just needed to do. Bet on you right? You have relationships, but it doesn't mean that you can perform at the level that you need to perform at or or do the job that is needed at that particular moment in time. But clearly, you have been able to as you move through. So make sure you bet on you.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's it's something I still struggle with, Chris. You know, like when we started talking, I was like, man, I'm, I'm young. I don't know what I could offer to your podcast and to the people listening. I don't feel like I, I have much to add. But, you know, I, I think that's partially how I was raised. I was raised really conservatively. And, um, you know, we are raised to to be humble and to be very grateful for the opportunities that we're given because everything um, isn't necessarily deserved, but we just some of us are, are given these wonderful opportunities and it's what you do with them that can really shape your path. And so I just feel I'm, I'm very much just um, humbled by where I'm at right now and, and what I've been able to do in a short amount of time, honestly.
0: So you're humbled where you are. Um, but clearly you have something that drives you. So what what are you passionate about in school? What's an area of school you're passionate about?
2: Yeah, oh, well, that's a great question. I, like I said, as educators, we have the hardest job in the world and there has to be something driving us that's extremely powerful in order to stay in there. And for me, it was my experience growing up in school. Um, school has always been, as cheesy as it sounds, my favorite place to be. I was that kid, I hated summer vacation. I didn't want to go home after school. I was there as soon as the doors opened and you didn't, I, you couldn't get me to go home, you know, and, and that is the case for so many of our kids. It's the safe place. It should be a safe place. For me, it was a place that I really felt valued and seen and loved at a time when my home life wasn't always consistent and school was my consistency. And for so for that, as an administrator and as a leader, I really try to communicate the importance of that because I know it led to so much of my success is the people in my life from school. And so that's why I'm passionate about, you know, being there for kids who maybe at home, things are rocky and maybe on the outside, they don't look rocky, but on the inside, they're still rocky. And so what can we do to make school safe and fun and loving, but also not compromise those academic expectations? You know, I think we can have I think we can have it both. And so that that's really what drives me.
0: So let me, let's, let's sit with that for a minute or even pull that back to the bigger picture. So we talk about that kind of stuff a lot for students, right? Building student voice, safety, especially academic expectations piece, and making students feel valued, seen, and loved, to, to use some of the words you just used. How do we as leaders, what are some things leaders can do for teachers to make them feel valued, seen, and loved, supported, safe? while still holding those academic expectations for them?
2: Yeah, I think as leaders, when we work with our teachers, it starts with modeling. Well, first, it goes back to those relationships, of course. You know, can I tell you something about our teachers that are outside of the classroom? Can I tell you about their family? Can I tell you their likes, their strengths, the things that they need to grow in? Those are things that I really think are so critical And finding the time to make sure that we can do those things. And then moving forward, are what are we modeling in our everyday interactions with our teachers? Not only with the students, but with our teachers. And you know, how are we building that capacity and creating a culture at our school that not only do we say, okay, for kids, you're safe and you're loved here, but teachers wanna show up and be excited to serve our community and be, you know, they feel loved and safe and not only physically safe, but do we have a level of psychological safety where they feel that they can take risks, that it's okay to make mistakes, you know, Like I said, I'm very young and I've made plenty of my mistakes. When I look back, especially at my first year in the classroom, um, you know, oh man, sometimes I'm just blown away that I I survived that first year. It was rough. Um, And going back to my first year as an administrator, i made plenty of mistakes. But I've had, again, those relationships and people in my life that have guided me through, given me grace, talked me through those situations, and then said, yeah, you know, you made a mistake. How are we going to learn from it? How are we going to grow? And I hope that I can model that with the teachers that I am able to serve, that I do not know everything and I will never know everything. But if I make a mistake, I'm going to own it. I'm going to take responsibility. And if you do it, you know, you make a mistake. I want you to do the same. And then let's talk about it. Let's have that culture where we can have these really difficult conversations because in the end, it's our students that win. And that's what's important. So I think getting past those surface level conversations and just really having, um, you know, meaningful um, deep conversation happens when you have that psychological safety and so that's kind, of, that's kind of where I'm at with that.
0: That's awesome and and just to just to recap for the people that are listening so you're and to make sure that I'm on point and understand with what you're talking about you're talking about the idea of psychological safety for helping teachers take risks and and modeling the idea that if you take a risk you're in a safe place because you're going to be taking the risk first as a leader. So. When mistakes do happen, offer them grace, uh, reflect on those things. And really, uh, from what I take from that is that it's about being authentic as a human being, not as a leader, not as a teacher, just as a human being.
2: A hundred percent.
0: And then that leads to empowerment, as far as I'm concerned. You know, as a as a leader, when you're thinking about teachers, if, you, if they know they can take a risk and they know that you're gonna offer grace and that, that power of reflection afterwards, they'll be more empowered to work forward. Is that that pretty much what you're saying?
2: Yeah, I love that you touched on that point of authenticity, because I do think being relatable to teachers, I I don't know where this imaginary line is where people feel like when you go cross from teacher to administration, something changes in who you are as a person. Um, (laughs) Because it doesn't. I mean, you're still the same person, but I think some people think, oh, now we have to treat them differently. And we're all working for the same goal. We just have different responsibilities, you know, and sometimes we deal with different challenges. But, you know, ultimately being relatable and just, you know, being open. I made a mistake here and I'm not pretending that we know it all. I'm not pretending like we have to speak a certain way now that we have a different title or we have to dress a certain way. We're all working for the same goal. And so sometimes, you know, people might think I'm too casual or maybe I'm I'm too loud and too silly. Um, But I think that's, where um, I kind of find my wheelhouse. And that's what sets me apart maybe from some other people is I'm just me and I love kids and I love people and I want to do what I can to serve them.
0: See, there's something incredibly comforting about that. When somebody's talking to you, though, even though if they made a mistake or there's something that's gone wrong, the idea that you're you're a person and you have no problem showing that you're a person. Can you think of a time where this played out for you? Like I, I always say you talk about mistakes. I always say, if you want to see a mistake, hang out five minutes. I'm I'm sure to make another one, but, (laughs) but, um, can you think of a time where somebody made a mistake and you were able to turn what might've been a bad situation into a better one based on your reaction and offering grace?
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's a situation that um, happened my first year as an assistant principal and um, the building principal was out of the building at a meeting and I was actually getting ready to head out to a meeting myself uh, for the other part of my job with that student services coordinator piece. And so, you know, I was getting up from my desk. I had my my laptop in my bag, and put my coat on, and in walks the teacher, you know, that always happens, and they say, hey, you got a second, um, well, you know, I got a second, I'm getting ready to head out, but what's up, and so the teacher just said, just said, well, you know, yesterday, there was a substitute in my classroom, and I just kind of said, yep, yeah, you know, I'm aware, and she was like, I heard my class was, had a really rough day, and I said, yeah, they did have a little bit of a hard time, I spent some time in there, and um, they kind of struggled, and and she said, um, "Yeah, so I think I want to hold him in from recess today." And just a little background story: we had already discussed this type of consequence for students with this teacher, and you know, our philosophy on on whole class punishment and consequence versus punishment and things like that. So we've had these conversations leading up to this moment with this teacher. And um, she was aware of that. And she was also aware that some parents would not be supportive of that decision if she were to make it. And so she said, well, I think I want to keep them in from recess. And I said, the whole class? And yeah, the whole class. said, well, are you confident it was everybody in the class that had a hard time? And well, you know, there was a long list of names and she kind of justified her decision on why she wanted to do that. And I said, well, you know, we've had this conversation before that we don't support that philosophy. Um, and I said, but you're still wanting to do that, knowing that, you know, you don't have administrative support and knowing that parents don't support it. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have them write letters and we're just going to really talk through. And I said, okay, well, I'm getting ready to head out to a meeting here. And I said, so... You know, if you do that, you understand that if there are parents that call and and they have concerns, I want you to be responsible for this decision that you've made. Yeah. okay. And so I just kind of packed up and left. And in my head, I didn't really feel good about how that conversation went. You know, sometimes you can just tell after a conversation and you leave 10 minutes later and you're still thinking about it. And You're like, I don't think I handled that right. (laughs) And so I called the, the building principal and I said, hey, this is what's going on. We're both out of the building. I was in a rush. I'm not sure I made the right call here. I said, I, I don't know. And I said, but I, I was really kind of young in my decision and, and maybe young isn't the what I'm looking for. But I kind of had that mentality of, you know what? You make your bed, you sleep in it. You know, you kind of get that attitude and that's nobody wins when you have that attitude. I, I have wish. learned, but <laughs> you know, that was, that was my mistake. And, you know, long story short, That's what the teacher decided to do. Parents called. Parents wanted to talk to me about it. And I said, um, I had discussed with that teacher, this would be an issue. The teacher decided to go uh, go ahead with that decision. Um, And so then, you know, she talked to the parent about it. And then we ended up having such a great coaching moment afterwards because, you know, I took ownership for my part in that. And I said, you know what? I knew this was not a good decision, I should have put my foot down and said, no, <laughs> we've been on this road before. Is not the right call. And I said, I really just was kind of, I, I just didn't handle it well is what I told her. And I owned it and I apologized for that. And I said, but let's work through this now together. The aftermath, I'm going to partner with you. Let's deal with it together. And so we worked together to respond to parents. And then we also were able to discuss, you know, if this happens again, what should we do differently and why? And so it led us to a really good place. But in the moment, I definitely had to eat my words and say, yeah, in the moment, I made the wrong call there.
0: So. Yeah. But, you know, it's because of what happened in the moment. And well, not because of what happened in the moment, but what happened or how you responded to what happened in the moment that made it become a coachable moment and, mm-hmm. and, and built a stronger relationship between the two of you. Because, I mean, there, there are people out there that would have said, taken that parent call and said, oh, well, I'm going to talk to the teacher about that. And never owned it. I mean, you owned it from the beginning saying, well, yeah, in fact, I did speak to the teacher. And then in talking to the teacher, I'm sure there's examples where people would have said to the teacher, look, I knew this was the wrong thing. You went ahead and did it anyways, even though that conversation didn't quite play out that way. Because, uh, look, we've all gone through times where we have that you made your bed, you lay in it type of feelings towards that we need to go against. But it's the way you handled it, I would say is a perfect example of being authentic and taking responsibility for what you've done, uh, which is what I think they responded to.
2: It was a big growing moment for both of us in different ways. And honestly, now that I've had the experience as an instructional coach, it's taught me so many more of those skills that I wish I would have had that first couple of years as an administrator. You know, sometimes the responsibilities, you know, can overlap in terms of what we do here as an instructional coach and administrator Um, kind of depends on what your building looks like, but through some of the classes that I've been able to take and some of the books that I've read, I've really started to learn how to lead people to conclusions that maybe you want them to get to, but rather than telling them to, you ask the right intentional questions. Um, and in that situation, I didn't do that. (laughs) So I think if I could go back, I would have framed my response much differently and we could have had a different outcome, but It's something that has always stood with me. And um, I think I'll always remember and and be able to take forward when I'm, you know, in those uh, situations with teachers.
0: Perfect. You know, you, you talk a lot about the whole idea of relationship building, modeling, reflecting. And we've talked about that authenticity piece and school being an enjoyable place, a safe place, but still having those academic those academic expectations. I want to take. Just a quick couple minutes to hear from our sponsors, and when we get back, I want to ask you about your vision for what school should be like for students and teachers alike.
2: Sounds good.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by the Better Leaders, Better Schools Mastermind. The mastermind is built on the ABCs of powerful professional development, authenticity, belonging, and challenge. With all three components, leaders experience transformation in their personal and professional lives. Personally, I've been a member of the Mastermind for years, and it's transformed my leadership by teaching me how to challenge the status quo and honor my personal vision for what leadership should be. Join me and other leaders from around the world in the Mastermind. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Emily Barnes. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the whole idea of relationships, like I had said before, and, you know, your different experiences and being authentic, or as, as we've said, keeping it real. Uh-huh. So that's a good thing. If you had a vision or, or somebody asked you, overall, ideal world even, what should schools look like for both students and teachers?
2: You know, I think I could probably give you a really long answer, but in one word, yeah. <laughs> I really think schools should be fun. You know, I don't know where some of us went wrong over the past several years, but something has shifted. And, you know, And I don't know what that is necessarily. Maybe you can tell me, but I just want us to remember that school should be fun. School should be a place that students love to be at and teachers love to be at, that we can smile. You know, one of the hardest things about with COVID that's been going on, you know, no matter what your stance is on any of that, but we've all, you know, had to wear masks for some of it. And it has been so hard not to see people smile. And I think for our children and, you know, for my kids I have little ones, you know, like you said, and I just think, what would it have been like for me to be at school? I was that kid that needed school to be fun and safe and to feel loved. And if I couldn't have seen my teachers' faces, and if I didn't feel like they were enjoying what they do, I think that would have totally changed my experience. So I really think school should be fun, you know, and of course, we need to have those high academic expectations, of course. Our you know our primary purpose is to educate our children and, and to have them be successful citizens in this world, of course. But we can have fun doing it. I am so passionate about that. Like, let's have a good time. We spend a lot of time in a school building. I think I spend more time with the people I work with than I do my family. In fact, I guarantee it, especially in these last few months. And I mean, I'm going to have fun doing it. And so I hope that whoever is listening, I hope that they reflect on that. Am I having fun? If not, what can we do to change that? Because I think our jobs are fun.
0: So, well, first of all, I I couldn't agree with you with you more. I actually say that our jobs are some of the most serious. We do some of the most serious work there is, mm. but we can't take ourselves too seriously. Otherwise, we, we lose it a little bit. You know, in thinking about that, how can we get staff to reflect? Because we all have staff members. We have the staff members that just want to have fun and we have to kind of, you know, bring them back to the academic love, piece a little bit. Yeah. But how do we deal with the staff members that are, hardcore, this is about academics. I'm not here to make all kinds of relationships with students. I'm here to teach content. How as mm. leaders can we answer that or deal with that?
2: Wow, that's tricky. And I, I'm fortunate to say that I don't think I've had to work with a lot of individuals that have that mentality. I think especially these days, I would hope that they're the outlier. if They're still thinking that way. And because we know that the trauma that our students come to us with now and relationships are key, and you know that old saying, it's not, they, they don't care about what you know until, how does it go, Chris? Oh, they, I can't even remember.
0: They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care.
2: Yes, that's what I'm trying Man, to I say. Man, I struggle with
0: that one for a minute. <laughs> I no,
2: I thought, I thought what, now, what am I trying to say now? Uh, here we go, keeping it real, keeping it yep. real, but you know, I think that that's so true, and so I would ask teachers, you know, I would take it back to their why, going back to those coaching strategies. I think that would really dig into, well, why are you here? And and what do you hope to achieve? And you know, like I said, I'm very thankful that I haven't had to work with a lot of individuals that feel that way because it would be challenging. But I think I would do my best to lean into that relationship with them just as I would lean into the relationship with the student who's maybe being difficult and challenging. Because there's a root reason that we have to get to. And so I think I would work hard to get there and then model. What I want them to do, and and work hard to do that, and just follow up with them, and provide that grace when needed, but always hold them accountable, just like we do our students. We provide grace and meet them where they are, but we are always held accountable for our actions and our choices. So, I think I would just try to model the same for them as as I hope that we'd be modeling for our students.
0: That's great. The idea of grace, but hold them accountable while you're trying to get to what that behavior is. I mean, you you mentioned about the why, but if we if we really lean on the idea that all behavior is an attempt at communication. Absolutely. Then that would have to hold true for teachers as well as students. Do you have any kind of tools in your toolbox about how you help teachers focus on their why or circle back? Like if you're talking to a teacher or you say, hey, I noticed that you were doing this multiple times, repeatedly, blah, 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 from there. Like where mm-hmm. you go to get them to think yeah, that's not why I got into education.
2: You know, if I find that the relationship with the teacher that I have is not enough, maybe we're just not connecting in a way that's impactful for them. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest. And even though I haven't had a lot of those experience, I think that I'm pretty good at connecting with people in some way, maybe not at all the same levels, but in some way, you know, I think that that ability to be self-aware can sometimes be such a challenge. And sometimes that's where that disconnect is. One of the, tools that we've really been using. If we're talking more of an academic type situation, one of the tools that I've been really thankful to use as an instructional coach in my current role is a swivel camera. I don't know. Are you familiar with those? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we have um, purchased some of those and those have been really powerful and kind of forcing teachers and, and myself, I've used it for myself to be vulnerable because you can't make excuses for things that you see on a video. Right, uh, you know. So sometimes when that relationship isn't enough, and we're having a hard time, just really getting to the root of things, sometimes that's it's because they're just not self-aware, or they're not willing to be self-aware. And so I found that utilizing that tool, and then kind of pulling some very intentional questioning out of my toolbox to get them where I want them, has been really powerful. Now I'm definitely not a pro at that. And wow, that question has kind of stumped me. I'm trying to think of a person that I have yet to connect with or feel that they don't want to have relationships with kids. I feel like I'm so fortunate that I, I'm not in that situation. I work with some really amazing people that love kids. I just, I don't even know what that would look like. See, that's great to hear.
0: I, and I love the idea of what you said about the swivel camera. There's nothing, boy, there is nothing more humbling than seeing yourself on film. So that's good. Yeah. But I mean, you being in that situation, what a great what a great spot to be in. So you don't necessarily have to think of anything, just it is what it is. I mean, if if you if you've been there and I like the idea where, you know, you if if it's academic, you just go back to what's working and how to reflect on the, their self.
2: Yeah. And sometimes I just think the power of, you know, seeing what else can be done. You know, sometimes teachers And and administrators, anybody in education, we can get really siloed and get our tunnel vision and just really focus on, well, this is what works for me. This is what's happening in my classroom and we don't get outside that bubble. And so another kind of, you know, thing I might pull out of my toolkit is forcing them to get outside that shell and say, well, let's just see what's going on over here. Because I think it would take a really hard hearted person to not see the joy and love in a kid's eyes and say, nope, I'm not going to do it. You know, I mean, it's like if we can just give them the opportunities, sometimes I feel like that that's where it is too. that disconnect is they just don't know because they're so focused on what's happening in their bubble and what they've been doing for 15, 20, 25 years that nobody's given the opportunity to not even go to a different school, just go down the hall and see what else someone is doing. So, you know, that self-awareness piece and, you know, if you can get in, to record themselves and have that coaching conversation. But there are people that they're not going to let you do that. But they might be more willing to go and watch somebody else and then have a conversation and then apply that to themselves. So there's different angles you can get to it. But I think I've, I've just had really good people that I work with. And I just really push hard into those relationships. I feel like I just don't let people... I don't take no for an answer when it comes to relationships. It's like, you don't like me, then you know we're going to figure it out. We're going we're gonna to find some way to connect because I can't tell you the last person I've worked with that I haven't connected with. That's cool. Yeah. There's a way to connect with everybody. I really feel that. That's
0: a superpower you have. <laughs>
2: I don't know about that. I don't it know definitely,
0: that. well, it definitely shows that you're tenacious if you don't. Know, Oh, you and I aren't getting along. Well, we are going to have a good relationship by the end of this. So just
2: not yeah, taking no for an answer. Exactly. I love that challenge. It's like, why not? You know, I, let's have fun. You don't want to have fun. Hmm, okay. I might question that a little bit, but then what do you like to do? I can bond with you on that. Yeah. You like chocolate? I'll give you some chocolate. Do you like, you know, one of the things I love to do, no matter where I go, whatever role I'm in is to ask what teachers love languages and, you know, it's kind of weird sometimes to think about it in a workplace setting, but you can really gain so much insightful information about how people feel, how they want to be shown gratitude and appreciation. And so I really try to tap into that in a more personal level. And again, just finding those ways I can connect with people. And you've, you've kind of stuck me with that, but I'm trying to think of someone that I need to lean into that a little bit more, but right now I'm
0: it doesn't sound like you need to lean into anybody. You're, you're good to go.
2: I don't know. I'm gonna think about that one for a while.
0: All right. Well, I'll let you I'll let you think about that for a little while, but I'll I'll move on to the next because we're getting towards the end of the podcast. But I've got to ask you the two questions and I'm I'm excited to hear your two answers. Who, not what, would you be if you were not an educator?
2: This is a really Really challenging question because I love that you clarify the who and not what. Because my first instinct was I'm a mom. So now and then I think well, what would I be? No, and then I think well, not what who, and really I think I would just be I would still be me, but I would be a lesser version of me. I think education is such a humbling job to have. The things that we see, the responsibility that we carry. I think sometimes I wish everybody could um, just get a little taste of what it's like to be in education because, you know, I don't think that I'm better than anybody, certainly, but I, I do think it's helped me be more empathetic. It's helped me be more understanding, give grace when I need to give it. You know, I think I would just be, I'd be a harsher version of myself. I think I would have a little bit less love. I would feel a little bit less of a purpose, I think. And that that's... That's such a deep question. I don't know. I would love to, I would love to hear your response, honestly. I mean, <laughs> I, I, that question really makes me think.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because education is such that you see people for who they are and where they are. You see, every day we see people everywhere from the students in our buildings to the oldest adult in our buildings at their worst at times and at their best at times so we 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 run the whole gamut i love your answer the idea that you would be and the and the words that you selected to to answer that you'd be a harsher version of yourself because oh, you wouldn't uh-huh. you wouldn't be as empathetic or you wouldn't feel that much love as you do now that's i i think that's a perfect answer
2: and you know it's even changed in the last few years when i first started out i you know i became a teacher right out of college and I had a vision in my mind of what I thought it should look like and how I could get students to do certain things. And because you you think you know some things from your your classes, but and man, now when I look back, I think how how do first year teachers survive? Uh, it, it it is just okay. mind boggling to me sometimes. But you know, it even changed and shifted for me when I became a mom. I think between being a mom and being an educator, I just I think kind of like the Grinch. My heart just grew so much. Um, I just gained so much love. I became so much more empathetic, not only to to students and the teachers that I worked with, but it totally shifted my perspective on how I communicated with parents. Wow. I wish I could go back sometimes. And I was so judgmental in my first few years of, man, how can they send their kids like this? Or how are they talking to me like that? Or why are they, you know, you just have all these assumptions and judgments. And then when I became a mom, I thought, no, oh, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I sent my daughter to school with her shoes on the wrong foot the other day. So, um, you know, it's like, wow, all that judgment goes out the window. Cause now I, I get it. And I'm just much more empathetic and understanding. And I hope that that just continues. I just, I don't want my heart to get, to get cold and, and hard because if it gets to that point, I'm in the wrong job.
0: Yeah. And it's, I, I feel you on the opposite shoes. <laughs> I sent my kid to school the other day, just he completely did not match. But he had his favorite pair of pants on and he had his one of his favorite shirts on. And um, the joke he was, was happy. he was happy. <laughs> and the joke was, he kept his coat on in the house when he got back so that my wife wouldn't see that he, he was, I mean, <laughs> he was so far from matched. It wasn't even funny, but <laughs> but that's that's where I sent him. And I just think, you know, people that that see him that don't have kids or anything like that, you know, oh God, how can they send a kid out like that? He doesn't even match, you know?
2: Yep, yep. I'm sure I said that five years ago and now it's just, well, are they happy? Are they loved? Are they dressed uh, in general? Yeah. So my, my expectations have changed.
0: <laughs> yeah, did, did they get a breakfast? We're yes. good to go, you know? Yes, exactly. But, so my next one, and you know, I know you said you wanted to hear my answer to that question. I don't know who I would be without education, whether it would be, I'd be off on some type of adventure, I'd be looking for the next thing I could do to challenge myself, because that's, it's kind of the same, it's the same, well, not kind of, it is the same behavior I have in the position that I'm in. I'm always looking at how I can challenge myself and how I can get that 1% better every day. If I weren't an educator, I'd be off in some environment trying to find where I belong or where I could make things around me better.
2: I love that.
0: But I didn't, I didn't want to leave you hanging on that because you didn't <laughs> ask me the question back. I didn't want to just blow it off. Um, so the, the final one, what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support and engage and empower their teachers?
2: I think it's not, maybe not necessarily advice to others, but something that I try to really reflect on consistently is to be someone that leads and serves with integrity. I think it's something that goes overlooked almost, which is so sad to say, um, because it shouldn't be even something that we have to speak. But I think it's really hard to you know, given the work that we do, given the things that we see and um, the conversations we have with parents and teachers at times, sometimes they, they get ugly and it could be easy to not respond and, with integrity and be honest and um, use those soft skills. And so I remind myself of that. I think it's really hard to do. I would encourage people to be real, to, to keep it real, as we've been saying, be authentic um, and, and don't shy away from difficult conversations. Sometimes I think, you know, it's probably mostly my personality, but I would rather have a hard conversation with somebody and own my mistakes and have an awkward, maybe yucky feeling conversation for a little bit than regret later on that I didn't get it off my chest and I didn't make that person feel seen or loved or appreciated because I was too cowardly not to have the conversation. You know, I don't, like I said, I'm far from perfect. I certainly do not know everything. I will make mistakes and our teachers will will do that too. And so I want to just show them it's okay. We're in it together. We all have the same goal. We all want to do what's right by kids. We all love kids, I hope. And so let's just have those hard conversations because that's, that's who wins in the end is our kids. Um, and so I've had to do that with parents. There have been times where I haven't wanted to call a parent you know, we've been in those situations where we know it's going to be not a pleasant conversation and it's going to be one of those things where you get off the phone and you just need a minute because it was a hard conversation, but it doesn't ever make the, the situation better to just avoid it. So I've tried to tell myself, just just have the conversation and you get a little bit better and you increase that relationship every time. So that's kind of what I remind myself But that integrity piece is huge for me, and I think sometimes we forget about it.
0: Emily, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. You've given some great advice. Your your closing advice, the idea of leading and serving with integrity, is so important, especially in today's world. And it's it's super important to follow your other advice that you've given throughout the podcast about modeling and building relationships. Do it all with integrity, and uh, that way you can keep it real. So yeah.
2: Keep it real, Chris.
0: Keep it real. <laughs> I um I can't thank you enough. How can people get in touch with you if they want to follow up with anything you've said here or get any more advice?
2: Um, they can follow me on Twitter. So at Mrs. E.E. E. Barnes. And um, they can find me in Middle Tennessee, I'll be opening up Liberty Creek campus in the fall. So that's where I'll be spending <laughs> most of my time. Yeah. yeah. Well, shout out for the wolves there. So <laughs> we are, we're very excited. And that's where my mind, I think is fixated on right now, but um, yeah. And they can always send me an email, emily.barnes at SumnerSchools.org. That's
0: awesome. Well, again, thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you again in the future.
2: Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks again for having me.
0: Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step. Be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world class environment through a teacher centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway learn more at drcsjones.blog continue to improve and
1: go have a successful week and now a quick word from our sponsor jigsaw learning whether you lead at the school district or division level you're serving a wide array of students and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca.
0: There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? Visit myflexlearning.com/b to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com/be